When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Registered Investment Advisor Podcast, where financial services marketing expert Seth Green interviews experts, executives, and top producers to share can't-miss tips on how they successfully manage their financial service firms, grow their businesses, create great relationships, and influence the industry. And now, here's your host, Seth Green. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be with Jonathan Freeman, Chief Operating Officer and Chief Compliance Officer for Centura Wealth. Jonathan, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Thank you, Seth, for having me. Great to be here. We are happy to have you. Let's go back in time a little bit because you've got a diverse background. You've been in a whole bunch of different industries before landing in the wonderful RIA world. Uh, take us back a little bit in time. How'd you get started in general? And then how'd you get started in the business? Well, in general, uh, that's an interesting story, but um, I started out on a path where I wanted to try and make the world a better place. Uh, I was an environmental major and wanted to uh, improve our living and uh, working world, uh, so got into that, but found out it was a very um, politically driven industry as well as all very uh, cyclical as it relates to uh, overall boom and bust cycles in real estate. So uh, after finding my first... Um, layoff during a recession, I decided I want to go back to business school and diversify myself. And I went to UCLA, got an MBA and came out during the dot boom era, which many of these listeners may or may not recall, but it was another boom bust cycle and uh, got a great experience by working at Intel, really what I think is the foundation of the DNA of who I am. And uh, later moved into a bunch of startups. Uh, so um, my kind of focus is helping companies scale. And so that here at Centura is what we're doing. I joined, uh, well, I first met the partners here as a client uh, back uh, when I was working through some tax opportunities or tax mitigation opportunities and uh, stayed in touch and eventually recircled back in 2018 when they were registering with the SEC and they needed someone to help scale up operations. And so we got to talk and found like it would be an exciting challenge, which is what I get I uh, thrive in. And so uh, joined up and we launched Centura Wealth. Um, now uh, we're close to 800 million in assets, uh, trying to 10x the firm over five years and uh, well along our way and excited to uh, continue to see the progress. Well, congratulations on that. I'm sure the longer version of that journey could probably fit in a book somewhere. Um, it might. If it hasn't already. So talk about the transition between life before Centura and life, you know, now, because you jumped, you switched industries into our industry. So talk a little bit, that's an interesting transition. Talk a little bit more about that. Yeah. So, you know, I was a CFO, uh, worked in corporate, you know, fortune 50 company down to startup. So understanding, uh, finance at its core, as well as the markets was something that, uh, I was not unfamiliar with, but in terms of, I'll call it both wealth management, but more specifically financial planning. Uh, that was something that 
you know, I hadn't had direct exposure to, but was certainly both by living through it personally and also uh, just getting through the, you know, I'll call it the high level of um, what you study in finance and business school. It was, it felt natural. And that was my biggest reservation going into it as I was more of an operational person focusing on scaling businesses. Did I want to get back into a, a financial services and number crunching kind of firm? And after a short period of time, I, I felt it was a great natural fit and it was just an exciting opportunity to help build a culture, a company, and uh, go after a market opportunity that was really untapped. And so that's what drives me is, is really kind of helping build and scale. And uh, that's what we're doing here at Centura. And it's something where obviously we're we're analytical minds uh, in who we are and how we think, but at the same time, it's you know doing right for the client and helping them achieve their goals and the satisfaction that you get in seeing them to ultimately get to some place that they didn't think was achievable, and that's what we do every day. So that that's exciting, and it really builds you know a desire uh, to do good in the world, not just you know how we impact our clients, but how we give back into our communities and and also our, our philanthropic philanthropically inclined as well. You know, it's interesting because your role has expanded. Obviously, now you're both chief compliance officer and chief operations officer. Talk about the, you know, the the start of the journey and the added responsibility and how and why you took that on. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't say I willingly uh, jumped into the compliance world on purpose. Uh, it was something where it was more opportunistic, I guess, within the company and need that needed to be served. And so uh, having worked at a Fortune 50 publicly traded company, dealing with all the compliance matters that, you know, you deal with Sarbanes-Oxley and, and audits and all that nature, it was pretty natural, I, I guess. Um, but it is part and parcel with being a SEC registered company and ultimately the job is to keep us out of trouble and do what we say. And so um, it's not just those roles that I serve today. I also oversee marketing and finance and also our inorganic growth strategy. So all of our um, advisor tuck-ins is uh, part of my responsibilities as well. And so that's, you know, never a dull moment. I guess I'm ADD when it comes to having a lot of things on my plate and wanting a diverse workday. But at the same time, I recognize that I'm spread pretty thin. And part of our growth strategy is supplementing my team so that we can uh, continue to add great, you know, strong candidates within the organization and help us reach that kind of multi-billion dollar mark, of, which is in our five-year plan. Well, so you wear both hats, both operations and compliance, and usually those are done by two different people. Um, how does that work on a day-to-day basis? Well, I've got a strong team that definitely helps. And, you know, ultimately you have to focus and put everything uh, in its right, the right bucket, right? So on the compliance side, having uh, processes and systems in place in order to manage the business on a day-to-day and then deal with the exceptions as they come. And then operationally on on that side of the fence, you know, I've got a lot of, uh, I'll call it sub uh, team members that are focused on different aspects of the business. But at, at the end of the day, you're I'm chartered to do both. There is a lot of overlap, right? So in the operation side where we're working on billing and reporting our clients' assets, that you know, the same hat I wear constantly in terms of making sure we don't, don't overbill our clients or our, you know, billing policies are correct and accurate. So there, there's tremendous amount of synergy between those two. Uh, but you do have to make sure you know which hat you're wearing on any given day and and you're not letting any balls drop. 
Absolutely. As you as as the firm has grown over the last handful of years, talk a little bit about the team uh, that you've built. How many folks are on it at the moment? What other different types of roles? Yeah. So, you know, we've been doubling every year and mostly on the asset side. Hopefully our, our people growth doesn't line uh, on the same slope as our uh, people, uh, people on assets aren't on the same slope. But our biggest limiter to growth has been finding well-talented people. We very have a very laser point focused on serving ultra high net worth. And in that segment, many cases we find we have to teach people and sometimes retrain people on how we call it the Centura way is, uh, and how we think is the right, I'll call it service delivering. So finding people that are intellectually curious, that have a desire to learn and grow, you know, every day and are adaptable. All those traits are critical to being successful here, as well as us uh, continuing to adapt and grow in the marketplace. And so as we've been growing, it's, you know, setting a very high growth target and hiring ahead of the need. That's the big thing. Most firms are reactive when it comes to hiring. It's they've got a problem, then they try and bring people in to solve it. We've been basically hiring people ahead of the curve. And that's a good a testament to the founders and why I'm here is having a, a COO when you're hundred million in terms of asset base uh, and that RIA, most companies don't have a COO. And so that was, you know, I guess, forward thinking. And we're, my, my partners always challenge me of, okay, who's your replacement? What's your succession plan? And how are you continuing to help us achieve our goals? So that's something that we think about constantly. But at the same time, we've got a large array of skill sets within the company. We've got a dedicated planning department that are just CFPs, planners, and focus on uh, financial planning activities. We have an investment department that's just focused on assets and you know selecting private al alternatives. We even have uh, an insurance department that focuses on identifying and finding great insurance-based solutions for ultra high net worth. So in each aspect of the business, there's unique skill sets, but then that common thread that's required across all in terms of that cultural DNA that we're looking to uh, continue to build and, and support as we grow. You mentioned the ultra high net worth client multiple times. Who is an ideal client for Centura? So we have three ideal client profiles. Sometimes it's all in one, but typically our ideal client profile will look something like this. They have an income of north of a million dollars. So when you're in a high tax state like us, you're making that kind of money. You're probably having an annual tax bill somewhere between four and $500,000. And our common um, first introductory meeting will, will likely say that in our uh, first year of doing business, we can eliminate, defer, mitigate that somewhere between 20 to 80%. And so if you're a you know high income producer, hearing that you're going to be able to save you know 20 to $50,000 in taxes in the first six months, that's pretty substantial. Absolutely. And that'll just give them one heck of an ROI because the best ROI, we've always said the best ROI you're ever going to get is cutting dollars off your tax bill. Absolutely. Uh, so the second profile is someone that's going through a, what you know our industry might call money in motion event. So it's a death, divorce, sale of their business or sale of real estate. Those four Ds are typically where you have another taxable problem that comes up. And we like to say if you are introduced and meet Centura advisors sometime in the 12 to 18 month period before that, sometimes you don't have a choice. 
you're able to, again, have that maximum impact on uh, keeping your, I'll call it your estate within your pocket versus the government's. And then the third profile are large estates. Those are typically over 24 million if you're married or 12 million if you're single. In those cases, we focus on the three estate tax issues, which are estate, gift, and gift generation skipping taxes. In those three cases, it's more about getting the dollars to your family and those that you want versus, again, paying it out in wealth transfer tax. And obviously, that's an ultra competitive market. Um, everybody, you know, who set up to serve their unique needs would love to have those folks as a client. How do they find you? How does Centura bring them on board? Um, how are you getting in front of them? Yeah. So if you look at our organic growth, 70% of our new business comes from professionals that know who we are. And so we have a very focused program. We call it a COI networking program. That's all about finding our network's ideal client. We share with them who our ideal client is, and we meet with them twice a year showing who's the referrals that we've provided to you. Here's the ones that you've provided to us and making sure that we're giving you your ideal client and vice versa. So that has been a very, I'll call it virtuous cycle and something that we focus on. Uh, But at the end of the day, it's all about delivering value. And so we tell our, our prospects and our people we're introduced to, if we don't deliver exponential value, we're not the right firm for you. And as we start to get through our planning process, we call it the liberated wealth process. As we get through that, at any point along the way, if you don't think we're delivering exponential value, we'd certainly part as friends and allow you to take your business elsewhere. But at the end of the day, uh, everything is focused on you know, driving alpha on planning, driving alpha in investments, and also uh, getting them to where they want to in life. We call that, that's their journey or their North Star. And ultimately, we think by focusing on these areas of tax planning and driving value early in the relationship, that cements a a client, you know, for life. And uh, we've seen that time and time again, where we can have a very substantial impact in the first six to 12 months. You talked about alpha in a bunch of different areas. On the investment side, are you managing the investments in-house? And if so, talk a little bit about that process. And if you're using uh, SMAs or other third-party money managers, talk a little bit about how you vet those relationships, whichever one is applicable. Yeah. Um, so in our world of view on the asset management side, you know we have core portfolios, which again, are trying to achieve cheap beta. Uh, in a diversified approach. And I think, you know, they stand on their own in terms of hitting their relative benchmarks. But we spend 90 plus percent of our time focusing on sourcing private, private alternatives that are not uh, your, I'll call it common broker dealer or common uh, capital type product. They're truly direct to the source, the sponsor, where we've gone through our own internal due diligence process and really sourced a unique product. And in many cases, there's specific I'll call it terms and conditions for our clients that are, uh, I'll call it a, a cut above the rest. And so that that's where we think uh, in today's markets, you know, it used to be that everyone would have to go to a wirehouse to get pre-IPO stock. Well, guess what? That's no longer the case. The private equity markets are where all the new uh, generation and new origination goes first. And ultimately, that's where you want to get access to in terms of creating 
higher than market returns or risk-adjusted returns. So that's where we focus and spend a lot of time. We have an internal department, but also rely on some outside consultants to help us through the process in terms of due diligence. Uh, but ultimately, it's it's a matter of creating that uh, kind of uh, unique portfolio for each of the major five asset classes within alts. And then finally, on the you know kind of tax overall wrapper, right? It's managing the portfolio once it's there to ensure that you've got the right assets uh, in terms of both tax efficiency and tax structure, and that the ultimate you're helping achieve the client's uh, risk risk profile and what their their overall growth is looking for. You and the firm have both grown so much. What's your biggest challenge now? Again, I think it goes back to people uh, hunting in this market for the right people. Uh, often, if they don't get an offer when they first walk in the door, they don't even want to uh, carry on the conversation. But knowing that we have a very, uh, I'll call it, detailed process in how we uh, vet good talent. And if they walk away, that's actually a-okay because we know they're not going to be a long-term good fit for us. And so it for us, it's a matter of you know putting together a cultural fit, putting together an opportunity that puts them on the right seat on the bus, and ultimately wanting a group of individuals that enjoy working together and want to continue to grow as we uh, you know go after this blue ocean of opportunity. You might say it's competitive, but we think uh, there's a huge opportunity of uh, bringing these you know the, our our recipe to the table uh, for these type of clients. Absolutely. Your passion is obvious. What do you like best about what you're doing? You know, it's really uh, the fun in actually solving problems. Every day is a new one. And uh, it's a great team. You know, when you, we often ask people, what's the best team you've ever been on to figure out where they set the bar? And for us, I think this is the best team I've ever worked with. And we have, you know, not only fun uh, helping serve our clients, but having fun outside the office and, and whether it's our annual golfing uh, extravaganza or some of our, our quarterly events, it's a great place to work. And obviously feeding our number one asset, which is our people, is a big part of my challenge as well. And so never have a dull day and always love coming into the office and um, you know tackling another mountain. Well, it sounds like you're doing a great job of that. We know your time's incredibly valuable. We greatly appreciate you spend some, spending some of it with us. For our viewers or listeners who are watching, listening, want to learn more about you and all things Centura, where is the best place for them to go? Yeah, well, I'll give you uh, two resources. One is our main website. That's uh, CenturaWealth.com, C-E-N-T-U-R-A, Wealth.com. Uh, and for those other advisors that are out there, knowledge seekers and learning, uh, trying to get better, sharpen the saws, we like to call it. We've actually built a uh, learning center uh, out there, a free resource for everyone. It's called learn.centurawealth.com. And we provide, you know, with full open access, some of our strategies, approaches, techniques for others to share. And if there's intrigue and interest and wanting to learn more, happy to set up a, a direct video or, or web call uh, to explain that in more detail. But either of those resources, or if you want to email me direct, it's just jfreeman, F-R-E-E-M-A-N at centralwealth.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, everybody watching or listening. Thank you so much for watching and listening. We'll talk to you or see you next time. Jonathan, thanks again for your time. Seth, appreciate it. It's been great and uh, have a wonderful day. You too. Thanks, everybody.